0: have found these uh 1005 um, gatherings helpful in your spiritual growth and development. All right, if you don't raise your hand, that's completely okay. All right, I'm not I'm not I'm not making record of this or taking record of this, but these um, these uh, times have really been designed to do a couple of things. Number one is to draw us deeper into dialogue as a community. Because everybody that comes to this table called Aldersgate is coming from a different perspective, coming from a different place. Uh, Their life has been shaded by different factors, and whenever we get together and we enter into that deep dialogue, we can, um, I think, get closer to achieving what Jesus prayed for us, which is that we would live uh, as people unified by love, all right? So that's number one. The second thing is, is that we want to equip you with practical ways uh, to, um to engage uh, in spiritual formation growth as a disciple uh, of Jesus and so there's the communal aspect of this and then there's the practical side of things the kind of the how to all right my my tendency as a preacher is to theorize and throw out ideas and then allow you to kind of f- you know figure out where to go from there but these sessions are designed to give some real practical advice practical um Uh, ways for you to engage in spiritual practice. So this morning, we have kind of three objectives, and we'll get to those here in just a minute. Whenever I say the words contemplative prayer, what comes to your mind? All right, we'll start with a word association. Contemplative prayer, this phrase, what comes to your mind? Silent prayer. Silent prayer. Can you expound upon that a little bit, Sally? Okay, letting ideas roll, it's in your mind, you're thinking. Okay, what else comes to mind? Meditation. Meditation. And whenever you think of the word meditation, what comes to your mind then? Kind of the same thing, being quiet, sitting quietly, letting letting your brain do the work. Sitting quietly, letting your brain do the work. All right, any other things come to your mind, come to your heart whenever I use the words contemplative prayer? Should be contemplating. And what does contemplating mean? Making prayer a part of your thinking. That's beautiful, Carlton. I may steal that for the second service. Sermon writing is just thievery, all right? That's That's all it is. Nothing new under the sun. Yeah, I grew up in a tradition that did not necessarily practice contemplative prayer, I grew up in, 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 a, in a tradition in Christianity that, that spent a lot of time in corporate prayer, praying before meals, praying in church services, as well as individual prayer, you know, as part of my quiet time, as part of my devotional life with God, but most of what I learned about prayer was really formed and fashioned by the things that I say to God, so I'm going to come to prayer, uh, into a place of prayer, and I'm going to ask God for things. I'm going to intercede on behalf of my brothers and sisters. Right? I'm going to thank God for the ways that God has been at work in my life and the way that I see God working in the lives of those around me and in the world. And, and then I'm going to say, in the name of Jesus, amen. It wasn't until later in life that I discovered um, something about prayer that you probably have known for a long time. And that's this, that prayer in the Christian tradition or the way of Jesus, and especially in the Old Testament and early on in this Christian experience, was less about what I had to say to God and more about opening myself up to what God has to say to me. And I'll give you an example of this. Mother Teresa, everybody uh, has probably heard of her witness and the work that she did with the Sisters of Mercy in Calcutta, and she was being interviewed. Uh, if you haven't heard this story, it's one that I share a lot, so if you've been in a room with me, you've probably heard it. Well, so sorry, but I'm going to share it again, all right, because it's meaningful to me. And it's all about me, Jason. I'm just kidding. As a four, all right, it's all about me. Anyone here last week for the Enneagram conversation? All right. I'm the individualist that they were all talking about. Uh, Nobody's getting my humor today, Loretta. I better stop. They're like, we're here. We are here to talk about prayer, Tim. Uh, But Mother Teresa was being interviewed by um, Dan Rather, I believe. I can't remember right off the top of my head. And he said, it's been been said that you pray for three hours a day. Before you work, you get up and you pray for three hours a day. Well, what do you say for three hours a day? And Mother Teresa said, nothing, I listen. And so as a good journalist, the journalist asked her the follow-up question, well, what does God say for three hours? And she says, nothing, he listens. Contemplative prayer is a series of practices that help carve out space in our minds and in our hearts and in our lives so that we can commune with, experience the presence of God in familiar ways as well as as new ways. So contemplative prayer does have this element of thinking critically, of of letting our mind kind of... lead the conversation, right? But it also has this function of helping tamp down or diminish the noise in our head so that we can hear what God has to say. And so this morning, I want to invite us into three practices of contemplative prayer, all right? And these are ways, these are, these are practical things that we can kind of uh, begin to... Um, order our spiritual life, our devotional life with, that I think will have some pretty profound uh, impacts on us as individuals and on us as a community. Now, how many people in here would say that you practice some type of meditation or contemplative prayer uh, on a regular basis? You do? Do you mind sharing a little bit with us about that, Luz? This is strange, but every afternoon to keep myself awake, I usually sit out in the backyard in my swing with my kitty and I stroke my kitty and I think about the things that are happening and the things that might happen and then just kind of ask God to direct me because being alone you have a lot of decisions you have to make by yourself so just me and the cat out there in the swing just meditating (laughs) that's good I love that image that's beautiful so contemplative prayer can happen really anywhere but a lot of times our ability to kind of focus in quiet down the mind has to do with our physical space and so a lot of people who practice contemplative prayer have a space that they go to, a place where they kind of retreat to. Uh, if you've ever heard of a prayer closet or if you've ever heard of a, a prayer room or maybe the backyard swing with the kitty cat, you know, that, that is one way that we can practice uh, carving out space to hear from God. Now, why would it be important for us to find ourselves, you know, find ourselves a place where we can kind of be centered and reset? Okay, no distractions. Maybe it's like we're keeping an appointment. Okay. What else? Who else practices some type of meditation or contemplative prayer on a regular basis? Anybody want to share another experience? Marsha, yeah. I'll come right over to you, Allison, just a second. I don't have a room, but I'm a, a power walker. And 45 minutes to an hour every day. And I don't want to share that time with anybody but the Lord. And it's usually when I'm on my way out. I tell him my problems, and on the way in, he tells me what I'm going to do with those. That's good. He's probably the only one that can keep up with you, right, Marcia? That's good. Alice. Okay. For me, it's just an act of being. It is so, it's just being, being filled. And not particularly at one time or another, just continually trying to be filled. It's good. This is an act of being, right? I shared on the video, my mom, the second time she's recovering from cancer, uh, uh, approaches me, or she's sitting in her chair. I'm pretty sure she was, but in my memory, she had lost her hair, and she had this cat named Edward that would just kind of sit. That maybe cats are like the conduit to, to God. I don't know. The common denominator, Sandy. And she, and she, she it, uh, encountered me in my frenetic... Harried hurriedness and she said Tim remember you're not a human doing you're a human Being and I've returned back to that over and over and over again because Aaron will tell you that I'm high-strung I'm anxious as a as a human being. I am, I am, right? Especially whenever I feel like I'm not doing good enough, not like meeting the marks that I've set out for myself. And so it's important for me to have those anchor points that I can come back to. So three practices that are gonna be helpful, I think. And if you practice these, um, I would love to hear back from you over the next weeks. Brennan Manning, a writer that I really appreciate. He was a... Um, a, a, a A priest, a Catholic priest, and he descended into alcoholism. After he had taken his vows of priesthood, and and eventually he left the priesthood, and he became a spiritual advisor, and dealt with alcoholism his whole life. Had a really difficult journey. Any of you who have lived that or are living that right now, you understand how difficult and courageous that journey is. And he shares a story in his book, "The Furious Longing of God," about a moment when a nun came to him late at night during one. One of these spiritual retreats, knocked on his door, and they sat out in the hallway, and she just began to say, when I pray, God doesn't speak. When I pray, I can't commune with God. I have a difficult time understanding it. It's just radio silence the whole time. And Brennan Manning, he, he, he encouraged her to simplify her prayer life and to pray one prayer for 30 days. And it's called a breathing prayer. And Amy has led us in these every once in a while. And the way that a breathing prayer works, and you can use whatever words you feel called to or comfortable with, as you breathe in, you say the name of Jesus. And so you breathe in and say, Jesus, in your mind, you can say it out loud, all right? I wouldn't recommend it at the grocery store, okay? But (laughs) if you're on your swing with your cat, you maybe not, maybe only the cat is the one that looks at you like you're weird, right? But you breathe in, as you breathe in, You say the name of Jesus, and then as you breathe out through your mouth, so in through the nose, out through the mouth, I am yours. So you breathe in the name of Jesus, and then you breathe out, I am yours. You breathe in the name of Jesus. and you breathe out the words, I am yours. And that's the prayer. Why might that be a liberating and helpful practice for us to remember that we belong to Jesus? not a rhetorical question. Y'all are also centered now. I love it. Why might this be a powerful and meaningful experience for us to practice that every day? I set my alarm in the morning, and you know what the words say? Jesus, I'm yours. It's a way to ground me in this God who is So why why this prayer? Why a breathing prayer? Well, it's a surrender. You know, it's a matter of we don't have to be in charge here. Uh, Yes, it's a a moment of surrender that we do not have to be in charge of that moment, that um, we simply acknowledge the fact that God is sovereign and we have committed ourselves to him and we're not there to shape the world or shape our lives the way we want them to be, but the way he wants it to be. Right, yeah, it's a, it's a prayer of surrender, absolutely. We've been reading this book with, with Quinn, our three-year-old, uh, over the past couple of weeks that he's kind of drawn a liking to it, and it's one that was given to us by Jason and Amy. It's, what do dinosaurs do when they're mad, <laughs> all right, and it goes through like this litany you of know, do they stomp their feet, do they throw a mug at the cat, like all this stuff, and they say, no, they take a quick timeout, and they count to 10, Right, And so it's, it's teaching. In fact, the other day, I couldn't find Quinn, and, and I finally found him. He, he kind of ran up to me in the kitchen, and I was like, buddy, where were you? I couldn't find you. And he goes, I just had to take a time out. <laughs> he doesn't do it all the time, but he did on that day. In contemplative prayer, the breathing prayer can be a way for us to recenter ourselves in the midst of a life that demands a lot from us. And and that and we demand a lot from. So we breathe in the name of Jesus, and we breathe out, I'm yours. So that's called the breath prayer. You can think of other words. That's just been the most beneficial to me. Okay? Absolutely, I think so. Alice asks, is, is breath connected with the Holy Spirit? And as we remember from whenever Jack um, and Priscilla uh, came uh, to speak to us, um, yes, in, in the Old Testament, the word breath and spirit, ruach, are the same. And yod, ha, ve, ha, Yahweh, the name of God, is actually the sound of breathing. And so breath, this thing that, do you know that if you breathe less throughout the day and deeper, You're actually more healthy. We take like so many breaths a minute because we're so anxious. But if we stop and allow that breath, we get more oxygen to the brain. And it has physiological things that that, that change for us. Not only spiritual, but physiological changes. So anything about breath, the breath prayer that y'all have questions about, want to talk about? It's not not a question, but I think for the, so for me, (laughs) I'll start there. Um, I don't feel adequate with my words at praying. And the breath prayer releases me from that. So it's easier to get into it. That's really good. Yeah, how many of us have a difficult time praying because we don't feel adequate with the words that we have, not only in public but also in private, right? And I came from a tradition where extemporaneous praying was the only way to pray in public. We didn't pray the Lord's Prayer. We didn't, we sure didn't read our prayers from a book. That was not the way of Jesus, all right? Like we, you know, it came from your heart or it didn't come from anything, right? That's a lot of pressure to put on a kid, all right? That's a lot of pressure. But sometimes the breath prayer, finding words from somebody else, or not even saying words at all, can absolutely kind of help us get rid of some of that anxiety. So breath prayer, that's number one. The second type of praying that I want to invite you to consider is called centering prayer. All right, and I learned this type of prayer from my friend Mark Waters, who's going to be here next week, uh, and he's talking about peacemaking and dialogue and things like that. So, whenever you hear the word centering prayer, what kind of comes to your mind? Anyone? Bueller? Brings in a focus, so you're not so. Oh, it makes uh, your thoughts focused. You're not so jumbled and going everywhere. Okay. Yeah. Anybody else? Meditation. Okay. Yeah, so it's, it's really tied to, it's a type of contemplative prayer that allows us to dismiss or move beyond the jumble of our minds and to focus in on silence, something like that. So here's how Mark described it to me, and we're going to practice centering prayer here in a moment. There's a few steps that we have to take, all right? Number one, we acknowledge that we are going to have thoughts, That's why our brain exists to have thought, right, Sam? Is that right? Our brain exists to have thoughts, or at least that's part of why it exists, and we're going to have thoughts. So if we are going to practice centering prayer, say for a time period of 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, or three hours, where we're trying to center our hearts on something other than the things that are happening in our mind, we have to acknowledge that we are going to have thoughts. And if you try to fight those thoughts, guess what? You're, you're going to have more of them, right? Like, I will not eat that cookie in the cookie jar. I know that I told my kids they could have it whenever they wake up from their nap. And I know I can go to the store and buy plenty more cookies for them. I will not eat the cookie in the cookie jar. Stop tempting me cookie in the cookie jar, right? Like, this is the way that it works for us, okay? So you acknowledge that you're going to have thoughts. Now, here's how we uh, here's how Mark described it to us. If you're sitting down for centering prayer, you're closing your, your eyes, and you're going to center your heart. On a thought or an idea that draws you closer to God, picture yourself sitting, and you can close your eyes and picture this if you want to. Picture yourself sitting on the bank of a river. And so in your mind, you're visualizing sitting on the bank of a river. And the boats that float by on that river are your thoughts I forgot to take out the trash they're going to get my fishing pole. Yeah, yeah. You want to get your fishing pole, right? So the thoughts in your mind are boats on the river. Just because a boat floats by doesn't mean you have to jump on it. So you acknowledge the thought and you allow it to pass. And part of the process of centering prayer is not getting it right. It's not carving out space and doing something so God's proud of you. It's simply the practice of coming to a place of centeredness through acknowledging the thought and letting it pass. Does that make sense? So I acknowledge that I'm nervous right now about preaching my sermon again, but I don't have to jump on that boat and ride it down and allow it to carry me away from this moment, right? I acknowledge that when I think of my daughter going to junior high, I'm a little freaked out by it. But I, amen. I don't have to jump on that boat and allow it to direct the rest of my day. I acknowledge that, it, that it's real, that it's part of who I am and what I'm thinking about, and then I allow it to move on. So that's number one. We have to acknowledge that we're going to have thoughts during centering prayer. The second thing that we do is that we identify a phrase or a thought or an idea that we are going to focus on and think about. And so in this way, the breathing prayer or the breath prayer can a- actually be a component of centering prayer. So for some, of, for some of my friends, maybe the thought or the idea might be transformation. And that's the word that they meditate on. They breathe in, they breathe out, transformation. And, and and as those boats go by on the river of your mind, the word that you're saying, the mantra that you're saying that brings you back to the shore is something that, that and it can be anything. It can be porch swinging kitty cat. It can be anything. Typically, though, it has something to do with, um, you know, like God. <laughs> I don't know. God, something like that. All right? Presence uh, of self. So here's what we're going to do we're going to practice two minutes of centering prayer together. Okay? And so in order to do this the, in, the, in the easiest way or like the most beneficial way, I'm going to ask you to uncross your legs. I'm going to show you what, what we're going to try to do. It's just like getting your blood pressure taken, Loretta, right? All right. You want to like, get comfortable where you are. So you're going to uncross your legs. You're going to sit with your, with your legs kind of just like right at shoulder width, all right? Hands on. Your thighs like this, and they can be upturned or they can be down. It doesn't really matter. And then for two minutes, we're going to breathe in, and you choose the word that you're going to meditate, center yourself on. All right? And if a thought floats by, what are we going to do? Hey, let it go on by, all right? And if you jump on the boat, look at me. Okay, just jump back off, all right? Like, it's going to happen, okay? It's going to happen, and that's okay. So we're going to do two minutes. Together, of centering prayer. So we're gonna breathe in and breathe out, and whatever it is that, whatever phrase. So I'm gonna, so I'm gonna do the Jesus prayer. Jesus, I'm yours, and that's what I'm gonna center my heart on for the next two minutes. All right, but you don't have to do the same. Okay, and when this little thing ding, ding, dings, all right, uh, then we'll come back to this place and we might talk about it for a minute okay so two minutes begins now scared me. I almost fell asleep, which by the way is one really powerful way to practice centering prayer. All right. It's a good way to fall asleep. Now, centering prayer, contemplative prayer does not just help connect us with God. It helps bring us back to ourselves. The Celtic Christians have this phrase. They say salvation is simply remembering who you are. Is simply remembering who you are, and this word "remember" actually means what? If something is dismembered, what what has happened to it? It's come apart. And to remember means what? Yeah, to suture it back together. To remember who we are, and so contemplative prayer, centering prayer, is a way of remembering. Okay, we don't just have to use our own resources. There are a whole bunch of resources out there that you can use. And one of the best ways to pray is to pray using scripture. One of the best ways to pray is to pray using scripture. And there's an ancient, um, I would say, way of reading scripture in a contemplative way that we're going to practice as our third kind of practice this morning. And then we'll have maybe a couple of minutes to just have some conversation. It's called Lexio Divina, which means divine reading, lexicon tied to that, or divine reading, or divine, uh, Jason might be able to help me out a little bit more with like the, the transliteration from, from Latin to English, but basically we're reading scripture, the divine reading of scripture. And, and it's a process that we go through to really um, begin to allow scripture, how many of you know that we should not just read scripture, we should allow scripture to read us? i say it again. We don't just read Scripture. We need to allow Scripture to read us. What do I mean whenever I say that? We have to be willing to change. We to willing to change. Yes. What else? Instruct. You have to be willing to be instructed. What else? I, th- I think that's good. Yeah, that whenever we encounter Scripture and we allow it to read us... We allow it to change us. So what we're going to do is we're going to practice Lexia Divina. And so I need three people to just volunteer um, to read a simple passage uh, for me. All right. So Amy. Yes, ma'am. All right. We've got our first reader. It's going to be Psalm 130. And do you have a copy of scripture with you? That's fine. Phone. Yeah, use your phone. That's great. There's probably all kinds of contemplative prayer apps on your phone. All right. And we're just going to focus in on, on, on Psalm 139. So if you have a copy of Scripture, you can turn there. You don't have to, all right? And we're going to read uh, verse 11. Actually, let's read 9 through 12, 9 through 12. So Psalm 139, 9 through 12. Now, I need another reader. Okay, Judy, all right? You are like a star student, all right? I know you were, all right? So Amy, Judy, and then I need a male voice, uh, somebody who, who just kind of, yeah, Chuck, all right? So we're all, it doesn't matter which uh, translation of scripture you have, that's fine. And we're going to practice Lectio Divina. Now, here's how you do it, okay? We're going to hear the scripture read the first time allow your mind to go wherever it goes, all right? Just let it, let it be. We're gonna, we're gonna spend about a minute in silence, all right, after Amy reads the text okay? And then after that moment of silence or minute of silence, then Judy is going to read the text again. Now, the second time you hear the text read, you're going to allow your mind to attach itself to something in the text, all right? It might be a phrase. It might be a word. It might be an overall idea, but you allow your mind to attach itself to a phrase or a word, and you just kind of ruminate during the silence on that idea. So if the big idea is, um, Mm-hmm darkness is as light to you, then you allow your mind to think about that phrase, okay? What does that mean? What does it mean for me? How do I experience the darkness becoming light in the world around me? And we'll have another moment of silence, and then after that minute of silence, Chuck will read the passage for the third time. You allow your mind to, again, either stay attached to that phrase or that word or to move around and attach itself to some other component of that um, passage. passage, and then after another minute of silence, we'll take a deep breath together, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about it. Does that make sense? So it's a way to meditatively read scripture. Now, we don't read all scripture like this, do we? And I'm not suggesting that we, this is the only way you should read it. Have y'all heard about the woman? She goes uh, to the pastor and she's like, I don't understand what God's trying to tell me. And he's like, well, what do you, or she, I'm sorry, the pastor's like, she is like, well, what uh, do you mean by that? And she says, well, I'm trying to figure out what I need to do and the next steps I need to take in life. She goes, so I just opened up the Bible uh, and uh, I put my finger on a scripture and it said, and Judas went to the field and hung himself. And then she's like, okay, that couldn't have been right, right? So she closes the Bible, and then she opens it up to the book of Jeremiah. She pushes; she doesn't know that it's Jeremiah. She just puts her finger there on the page that says, now go and do likewise. And she's like, what is God trying to say to me? Like, we don't read Scripture like that. We have to study it. We have to think about it. We have to engage it critically. But this is one way for us to experience the Spirit of God speaking into our embodied experience right now. So, Amy, you're going to read Psalm 139, verses 9 through 11, right? And then we're going to just spend, right? Is that what I said? Okay, through 12. Thank you. Y'all have a great memory, all right? I need to practice centering prayer a little bit more. Um, And then we'll spend a minute in silence, and then, Judy, I'll just kind of point to you, and, and you can read it and then Chuck the same way. Okay. All right, let's hear the Word of God. we'll spend a moment in silence. So what phrases or thoughts or ideas were you drawn to in the reading of Psalm one thirty-nine nine through twelve? Linda. No matter where we are or what our circumstances are, Jesus is there. No matter where we are or what our circumstances are, Jesus is there. Amen. Marty. No matter the darkness or the light, there is always Hope. Betty. Betty got a picture. She's standing yeah. on the beach, looking east, and the sun is coming up. Betty thinks in pictures, y'all. It's beautiful. <laughs> Some of us do. Some of us think in pictures. Some of us think in sound. Some of us think in music. So, and i be part of our contemplative prayer. What else? What else were you drawn to? Yeah, Marsha. His, right his, right his right hand will support us. Man, I know I use my left for that. I know my right for my left. I was holding the mic. I was supporting the mic with my right hand. What else? What else kind of like came to your mind? Chuck, yeah. No matter where we are, what's going on, God knows it. No matter where we are, what's going on, God knows it. We can't hide our situation. From God, yeah. sometimes we try to, right? Sometimes we try to, and so it's corrective in that regard, as much as it is, uh, you know, uh, um, sigh of relief. Like, what is that word that I'm looking for, Barbara? I can't figure it out in the moment. I've, my words are almost out. Pray for the eleven o'clock service. All right. So, so here's, so here's what um, I, I think: uh, the gift, the gift of contemplative prayer is. So we've gone over three different types, right? The first is the breathing prayer, the breath prayer. Jesus, I am yours. Abba, I am yours. Jesus, Son of Christ, have mercy on me. That's one from the, uh, that's one from the uh, Orthodox tradition that's really powerful, right? We've gone over the idea of centering prayer, where we allow ourselves some space and some silence to just be Okay? And then the third thing is this lexia divina, all right, where we read scripture, we engage scripture on a devotional level because we understand that scripture can read our life and help shape uh, our future. Okay? So, what are kind of the central components of all three of these types of contemplative prayer practices? Number one mindfulness. That we want to be present in our life and we want to be present in this moment. Okay? What's the second component? Well, in all three, we didn't have to the words. Okay, in all three, Yeah. We depend on the word and the work of God. We don't have to generate anything for ourselves. There's another component time of, listening. time of listening. And how do we create that time of listening? Silence. Yeah, silence. So in the fifth, Carlton, did you have something? Go for it, bub. And told that most of the time it needs to be a quiet time, meditating time, alone time with all those components. But it can also work at the noisiest, busiest moment of your life. For me, part of it is driving down Buffalo Guy Road. Come on, man. I always close my eyes and pray driving down Buffalo Guy, baby. Especially when I have to turn onto Gilmer, right, where you can't turn left, you know? But it's not, I just don't think it's true to say that prayer has to fit that glove of solitude and quietness and so forth. I know it works, and that's the, probably the best way. But there's another. We can experience it. We can work from a place of restfulness. We can work from a place of quiet in our souls, right? Be still and know that I am God, the psalmist writes. Yeah, Barbara. A deliberate moment, an intentional carving out of time. Absolutely. I want to end with a story because we've got to get ready for the next service. In the 1950s, there was an experimental composer named John Cage. And John Cage wrote a piece called 4 Minutes and 33 Seconds. And if you ever hear this piece of music, it's really interesting because for 4 Minutes and 33 Seconds, which is the duration of the song in three movements, John Cage uh, wrote nothing. Nothing. It's just silence on the part of the orchestra, the symphony, whoever it is that's performing the piece. But it's not about the silence. It's about opening our ears to hearing what's happening within us and around us. Because every performance of four minutes and 33 seconds is filled with the coughs, the laughter, a child crying whose parents decided to bring them to some kind of fancy like a uh, philharmonic uh, you know presentation the sounds from around the environment begin to fill up the space right and this is the practice of contemplative centering prayer so we allow ourselves some quiet so that we can hear the word of God and the work of God that's happening within us and around us Now go in the name of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and uh, we'll see you next week. All right, love y'all, or we'll see you at 11 o'clock service. Thanks for coming.